Hi. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Um, hi there. I'm Zach, and you're listening to Poetry on the Path, where we chat for the length of time it might take to walk down Kenyon's middle path from Old Kenyon to Bexley. We've got you covered with all things writing. Together we'll be puddle jumping line breaks, celebrating language, and wondering about the writer's life and the multitude of ways to follow it. Welcome to our orbit. Welcome to Poet's Path. Um, Today I'm interviewing Micah Kim, a sophomore at Kenyon College who is set to publish his collection of horror genre short stories, Venus, this month. Uh, For the past year and a half, Mike and two other authors have been workshopping their pieces with Sunset Press. I'm so excited to speak with him as a culmination of his hard work and learn more about the process of creating Venus. Um, I'm lucky enough now to be here with Micah. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank Um, you for having me. We can't wait to learn more about your creative process. For our listeners, could you please introduce yourself? Hi. That that was a very succinct introduction. I'm impressed. Uh, Hi. I'm Micah. uh, Kim. I am, well... Like, as you said, I'm a sophomore at Kenyon College. I, I don't know if there's much more that I can say after that. Uh, yeah. Where Venus are you from? Com- oh, I'm from Vernon Hills, Illinois. Uh, so that's like a small town about an hour outside Chicago, but I just tell people that I'm from Chicago mm-hmm. anyway. It saves time and dignity. Very good. Okay, so as you're nearing the end of your writing process, um, just like generally, what are the feelings about the work that you've done and like, you know, being done. It's uh, it's a huge relief. I I remember that uh, I had a chat with my professor Iris Rong about this, and he said like, "Okay, you you finished this. Now you need to start thinking about what else you need to do." And that's that's something daunting because, like as you said, this has been going on for the past year and a half, and it's uh, it's it's strange to try to induce that kind of growth within yourself, but it's it's something that I think is going to be necessary now that I've finished Venus. And I'm excited for that. I, I, I think that, uh, well, I hope that there's a lot more that I can do uh, in this genre or other genres. And I'm really excited to, uh, to start my next work. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by your, um, your willingness to just move on to the next thing. That, that takes a lot to, to spend a year and a half on something. And then well, just... if I, it, it's already sent to the publisher. If I spent time criticizing it now, no one would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you make a point there. Um, so just in terms of like the order of Venus, like how, did you have like a, an order of the story set or was it something that was like um, more found in the revision process? Um, like how, how did you decide to order? So it's, uh, it's the week of the 18th, right? Um, or the 22nd? It's the 22nd. Okay, so it's the week of the 22nd. Um, probably two three weeks ago that i that i decided the order like it, it wasn't it so was very final yeah it wasn't a formulative thing uh i think that uh mainly the if i could tell you a secret though the longer stories are the ones that i wrote later like it just pretty much is a straight ramp up in story length to what i wrote later and I figured that, uh, you know, in terms of, like, pacing that out, it would be best to just have something that's convenient on the reader's side. Like, I don't need to show a progression in, in, uh, in writing growth. I, I just really want to create a collection or a story order that uh, really helps people work through it. And uh, I think Eating for Two uh, is, uh, well, it's my favorite story. 
Uh, and then my second favorite story, Venus is going at the end. So I, I kind of feel confident with that bookend there. Yeah, no, and that, that makes sense, like, from the writer's perspective, like, getting the shorter stories out of the way, like, building the confidence up to yeah. then, like, get to the longer works. Yeah. Um, great. Um, generally, what was just the most difficult part of the process? Like, did you ever find yourself really struggling with something? Hmm. I would say uh, the difficult parts of the process, uh, that would be, like, trying to break out of a rhythm that I found where... I would just write a uh, a really creepy inner voice, uh, a really creepy main character. Like uh, in Eating for Two, there's this father who doesn't quite understand, uh, doesn't quite understand human relationships, and it evolves in this whole thing, you know, with with horror elements. Mm. And uh, I, I think that's 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 good. That that my writing professor told me that that establishes a base from which to grow a really creepy narrative. But, like, taking, taking more normal characters and putting them through the same process is something that I had to really work on. I think that was, like, a, a rut that I struggled in for a while. And uh, as a result of that, I think, uh, well, the result of that struggle was Candywood Buddies. I can't say whether I succeeded or failed until it gets in the hands of the readers. Um, so, like, following off of that... Um uh, I noticed in a lot of your stories that a lot of the horror comes from just, like, very, like, mundane situations. So can you speak to, you know, the way you draw horror from just, like, every day? Yeah, I, I think, like, the, the thesis statement behind Venus as it began was, like, ah, uh, jeez, I'm gonna grow up, and I may or may not have a family. And uh, valuing people comes with its own, its very own set of fears, uh, it induces a lot of changes in your life, and those changes can be akin to, uh, you know, really, really sickening, really, really fearful elements. And I thought, hey, what if, what if it was just spec fiction where those things are materialized? No, that's that's. I think that's something that a lot of us, particularly at this point in our lives, are like yeah. very much. I I am not ready to be a father. Um, no, are you are you twenty? Uh, yeah, I so am you're 20. in your twenties now. Like, isn't that such a? That's right. Like, it's it's yeah. I my think... birthday was this month. I I don't know how to. I don't I don't know how to be in my twenties yet. But right. I hope, I hope this book has expressed at least the, the, the unsureness that I have felt. No, I I I think it's something that that a lot of people can relate to, which, is a very good start you know develop creatively i think um, i think that might be why uh, why eating for two ends the way it does because i acknowledge that hey i'm not ready for being a father yet so uh if i was a father my kid would just eat me <laughs> it's a very it's a very real fear um so how how has your time at kenyan influenced your work and you mentioned ira so um have you yeah. worked closely with him or just like well I, I think I I worked closely with Ira because he was my 103 professor because uh, the, the English 103 is like the introductory course and then you get into the higher stuff but uh, the English 103 that I took with him was really fascinating it was called Writing the Body and it uh, as you can imagine was focused on the, the internal visceral parts of the body and how that that can form a narrative so like I, I'm going to reference Eating for Two again because it's, uh, it's 
It's it's the one that's comprised most of the material that I learned in that class. There's a, there's a really fascinating uh, short story by Alice Solo Kim called Mothers Lock Up Your Daughters Because They Are Terrifying. And it's about this uh, this group of, of uh, I think, Korean adoptees that uh, sort of come together and summon like a mother spirit that sort of slowly takes control of all their lives. Mm-hmm. And like the idea behind, you know, family consuming you inside and out uh, was, was something that really, really stuck with me and Ira teaching me that and just, uh, I, and I took these stories into him as I wrote them, I think, uh, last spring. Um, and it was just uh, pretty much an, an availability that you would find with any professor at Kenyon. Like, you can walk into their office hours and get feedback on any given piece. Well, I, I assume just the English professors. I don't know how, like, an art professor would take it. But it's, uh, it, was, it was really, he was really accessible and really helpful uh, because, you know, he, he knew his material well. And uh, I think he, he definitely made this, this collection what it is now. It's amazing. Yeah, and just, like, speaking on um, Eating for Two as well, just thinking about, like, horror as something that, like, we feel. Like, we feel in our bodies, and it's something that, like, it takes effect. Um, that That's super interesting. And the way in which, like, the body of the, the main characters change yeah. throughout that story. Um, uh, so how, I, I mentioned before the interview started that you had a very... You know assured and sophisticated voice so where do you think that comes from how did you develop it um how long have you been writing um and did you decide to write horror hmm. uh well, let's see i don't know how i don't i can't quite track its growth but i do know where it started um percy jackson i i read it when i was like 11 and the thing about percy jackson is Roy Orton writes it in such a way that you, you see your own voice, right? It's the voice of like a 12, 13, 14-year-old. And you see that and you think, hey, I could write this. And then you try. And you fail. And you try again. And then you, and then you start to take more young writing classes. And then you get introduced to, to more literary stuff. Like uh, things that are more reliant on, let's say, action and dialogue rather than just uh, a really snappy internal monologue, you know? And I think that uh, although I do really love uh, using an internal monologue, I, I think that, uh, that to really mature it, I, I had to go through like the process of developing what, what is the character going to say in a certain situation? Uh, what are they, how are they going to react? And how can I show that through just the most basic imagery that I can? I'm also such a big Percy Jackson fan, I remember. Yeah. I used to have dreams where I was, like, a character in the world. The kids at my elementary school would uh, would pretend to be, like, the, you know, the son, the demigods. Yeah. And uh, I, I was the son of Hephaestus, which, uh, in, in retrospect, wasn't as cool, but I, I, I think uh, I was the only son of Hephaestus. So, like, I, I owned that. I tried to own it. And uh, I would build things out of, like, Legos and connects. Now you're a craftsman in your own right. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned the Percy Jackson series. Um, what other influences, movies, other horror short stories, I mean, non-horror short stories? You mentioned also, um, I'm forgetting the name now, but the story you read in, in Iris class, um, but in other mediums, is there any other you know, works that really inspire you? Hmm. Um, 
You ever play Five Nights at Freddy's? No, but I'm familiar. That's good. You're familiar with it. Um, so I I remember uh, I'm terrified of those games. First of all, like they they legitimately scare me more than anything I could ever write, more than anything I have ever read. Um, and that's that's just because of like the the oral sound effects. Uh, mm. You know, like you you're in there and you you can hear machinery and you can hear slight movements going on from the pizzeria as all the animatronics come to life. And I think I think like subtle imagery like that, like it there none of these details are are the, like the forefront, but uh, I think it's a, it's a very it's a it's a natural structure that I try to emulate in writing. Like uh, just uh, a character can walk into a room and they can instantly feel unsettled. And there can be this like slight twinge at the back of their head, like a, like a reed blowing, and it's just slowly warming itself into the back of their head. And it that that detail can grow the scene as the threat grows, and then uh, a, a bear jumps out and eats them, uh, just like in Five Nights at Freddy's. I mean, it's 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 a structure at least that I I, I really find fascinating because it's uh, it's a very natural and and scary one. You don't know what's gonna jump out. You don't know how the story is going to end. Uh, and I have never beaten Five Nights at Freddy's, so that's how that story ends currently. No, that's so interesting too, because thinking about the way, the way you write horror, um, and you know, the fear comes from the fact that like these situations are ones that a lot of us will be a part of one day, and then in Five Nights at Freddy's, you're literally. Like yeah, injected into the like situation. video games. Yeah. First person video games are like just that extra element, yeah. you know. That ooh, I'm responsible for this character living. Hope I don't die. Yes, um, no, that's that's so fascinating. Um, so just lastly, um, are there any messages you hope a reader will take away from this, um, from Venus, and what advice would you give to aspiring writers, particularly aspiring horror? Or, or genre fiction writers. Oh gee, I uh, I feel more equipped to answer the first question at least. Uh, the first question, I I hope the reader will take away that uh, it's uh, it's scary to love, and it's it's scary to you know allow yourself to be part of a unit to willingly give up a part of your individuality. And in, in some sense, like a part of your objective view on the world to, to subjectively love another person, to, to value someone else over uh, the rest of the outside world. Um, but uh, it's, it's scary, but in some senses it's worth it. Like you'll, you'll find a lasting connection and it's... Uh... <sighs> well, no, it's, it's really, really, really scary. That's I, I guess that's I guess that's why I invoked the horror genre in this, right? It's 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 just something that uh, I think modern culture should contend with a bit more. And I, I definitely think like now as as like people are getting married later, people are having children less, they're sort of having to contend with the fact that it's uh it's it's a big jump that is only becoming like a bigger jump because as people are getting older now, it's uh, it's less and less likely. So I, I guess I want to materialize that fear for them, so they can they can sort of try to reconcile it. 
And I, I guess horror isn't the best way to like say, ah, this it's tough now, but you'll make it someday. No, but it's it it's so interesting to me because I feel like, you know, everyone everyone who's an adult and even our age is like walking around pretending like they know what they're doing and no one knows what they're doing and everyone's scared and so this is just a great way to kind of expose that right Um, internal fears do i have enough friends am i going to be able to make friends as i get older is my kid going to be my friend stuff like that those are very very big questions and the scariest part about them is that you can't know the answer yeah until it's perhaps too late um, so again, any any advice? I know you're young and this is your first full collection, but believe me when I say that you are an accomplished writer. So I'm sure everyone would be happy. Well, thank you. Jeez, um, I guess my my advice to any young writers out there. Um, for a while, I'd say from like age 13 to present. I was, I went, so when I decided that I wanted to be a writer, what I did was I went online and I Googled Young Writers Workshop. And that led me to a, a website called the Young Writers Society. Um, and they just had like a, a pretty like Wattpad-esque, but a bit more sophisticated uh, structure where people could post stories and just get feedback on them. And there were like kids as young as nine on there and as old as 20. And it was it was a it was a really it was a really great space to just have. So I would say that uh, you know like I know a lot of young writers workshops and I've had experience applying to them myself. A lot of young writers workshops we usually take people in like their junior year of high school and like their uh, senior year of high school. But uh, really, writing spaces because writers are writers year round and um, they they try to there are a lot of spaces out there that people try to create. In, for instance, uh, Sunset has a summer session that they uh, that they take just a bunch of young writers and work with them, improving work, uh, giving them advice, and I think that uh, environments like that are are really are really plentiful. And if you seek them out, you can just Google any host of things. And as long as you're writing, as long as you're showing, as long as you're showing words to other people because words is just uh it's just a communicative tool so and in that sense stories are also just a larger communicative tool made of those so as long as you're showing whatever you write right right and whatever you write show to someone else and in that writing fulfills its purpose and you'll get uh you'll get advice from that that you can use to to grow yourself I don't have any more advice than that because every writer's, uh, you know, trajectory can be a little different, and I'm still deciding myself what I want to do with my with my craft, I guess. So I, I, I'm I'm in no position to to dictate the the larger life paths of these people. However, it's it's important to write, but even more important to show it to people. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's that's very valuable advice. Um, yeah, I think that concludes our interview. Um, I want to thank Micah so much for being here um, and congratulate him again on his incredible collection. Thank you. Um, this was Poetry on the Path. Thank you so much for listening.